Welcome to Voices of E-Learning, reflecting the people living and breathing the future of education and online learning with your host, J.W. Marshall. Hello and welcome everyone to today's episode of Voices of E-Learning. I'm your host, J.W. Marshall with MarketScale, and we're glad you found us today. Today's guests are going to be Brian Carlson, the CEO and co-founder of eThink Education, as well as Cheryl Patsevos, co-founder and COO of eThink Education. Brian and Cheryl, how are you both doing the day? Doing fantastic, JW. Thank you for having us on the show. Yeah, very good. Absolutely. And Brian, we'll start with you. Uh, If you could give our audience a little background uh, on yourself and a little background on uh, your company before we jump into some questions. And then Cheryl, we'll let you introduce yourself next. Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, I started uh, mostly in the education field as a teacher uh, working overseas uh, at a K-12 in a country called Vanu. Uh, Sort of like a sort of like a Peace Corps type experience. Came back from that, uh, got involved in some various startups, ended up in the ed tech space um, where I was uh, with a company called Illusion, which is a student information system company. Uh, During that time, saw a lot of uh, uptick in the online learning management system space, uh, especially around the open source learning management system Moodle. Decided to leave Illusion and start eThink about 13 years ago with Cheryl. Excellent. And Cheryl, a little background on yourself. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I was obviously at Aleutian with Brian. Uh, We were both traveling consultants. We traveled about 45 weeks a year to a different, uh, you know, student information system client each week. So, uh, you know, that experience gave us an opportunity to experience, um, you know, the needs of of edge tech clients up close. And it was some of that experience that spurred the creation of eThink and, and the foundations of that business. Excellent. And give our audience just a little more background on what is eThink Education and and what do you do? Sure. eThink was uh, was formed uh, to take the open source learning management system Moodle, which is freely available and it's the most widely used system in the world, um, and provide services around it. Uh, very specifically, we would um, add things to the product, such as integrations to student information systems or better themes and put that code base on our servers and provide support packages to clients, both in K-12, higher ed, and we eventually uh, pivoted also towards corporate education using the system. Excellent. And give us a little bit of background. In 13 years, a lot has changed. Um, How have you uh, evolved? And we'll go from your inception to pre-pandemic times. Sure. Moodle itself has consistently evolved over the years, um, improving itself as a product, adding new features and functions that meet the needs of the market. Uh, and eThink itself has evolved, uh, recognizing as, as the years have gone on, the changes in the Moodle market and the changes of our clients' needs, uh, you know, different approaches that we've taken to onboarding or support or sales have changed to to accommodate an increasing complexity of needs from an LMS, um, as well as, you know, greater demand for uh, ease of usage and accessibility. That's great. And now the big question, how have things changed or in a lot of cases accelerated uh, in 2020? Given the pandemic, have you seen just a, 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 an increase in volume of uh, 
you know, needs from customers. Uh, take us through kind of what's happened in 2020 leading into 2021. Yeah, it's obviously been uh, an incredibly interesting year, uh, sort of a paradigm shift in the K through 20 space, especially all of our clients were forced essentially in a very small two week window back in March to go fully online. Um, or maybe it was April. Uh, I get it all sort of mixed up now. I certainly started in March, but by April, um, it was at the point where we were starting to get colleges shutting down and going fully remote. Most of those colleges and universities and K-12s that we were working with already had face-to-face users, uh, people who were in the classroom teaching face-to-face, using the system to assist. Um, they had some fully online courses, but the trend was not 100%. So we saw probably a um, a panic, if you will, where uh, we had all of our clients come to us and say, help us with a plan, help us with training. And uh, we probably had the, the busiest couple of weeks of, of the business from a service perspective in making sure the clients were supported uh, in going fully online. What that meant for some um, was different than others. Uh, there were some that were maybe a little bit more um, ready for that. I think some are still catching up to it still today as to what that's meant, um, but it certainly was uh, probably a five-fold increase on the back end of the servers uh, in terms of usage patterns. We saw they were going up through the roof, but also a, a pretty large new commitment to the system in terms of uh, its reliance that uh, colleges, universities, and K-12s needed to have on the system. So it was uh, it was a very busy and tiring time, but a very exciting time as well. And as far as the professional development or the use of the platform, um, has it been mostly used with, um, you know, professional development and educators, or has it been a mix of, uh, you know, direct to student uh, programs, or, or is it kind of across the board? It's definitely across the board. Uh, professional development and use of an LMS in a more corporate or pro ed learning space has definitely evolved significantly, uh, you know, since we started eThink the need and and the demand and the understanding of of what an LMS can bring to that space has has grown significantly um, over those years. While higher ed has largely been you know aware of LMSs and using them in a similar way for quite a while now, uh, the the role of an LMS in in a corporate or pro ed environment uh, I think has emerged you know over the course of the years that we've been running eThink. Um, and has become a very significant part of our business. And there was just some recent research uh, released saying that even going into this next fall, at least 20% of school districts at the K-12 level are looking to stay 100% online. And then an even bigger percentage, I think 39%, are, are planning to have hybrid learning. Um, and then, of course, everyone needs to be prepared to go back to 100% online learning. Where do you guys see things kind of moving as we get through the spring semester and and really start preparing now for fall 2021? Yeah, I think you, you've hit the nail on the head. I think the, uh, the, the wake-up call that... Um, that this shift in the way uh, teachers are teaching students um, is pretty significant. Um, I think that we always saw the potential of the learning management system to provide things that maybe would be, um, you know, potentially enhancing the classroom experience. Um, I think you're finding that obviously that's now front and center uh, for those that are looking to do hybrid, but there's uh, certainly more innovation going on right now. I think you're starting to see an explosion of, um, of new technologies coming into the space, 
new ways of teaching, new services, new models uh, of new pedagogies, if you will, of, of how to teach online properly. Um, I don't think we're fully there yet, but I think that we've we've definitely had a uh, pretty significant acceleration. And I think that's here to stay. I think the uh, the benefits of being able to teach online open up a world of opportunity to the student, uh, getting access to teachers from all over the world, all over the country, um, things that maybe couldn't happen and traditional models are starting to, to emerge and are being more accepted. They've always been there um, over the past, you know, five to 10 years with things like Coursera or, you know, massive online courses. Um, but I think that people are starting to realize that this opens up a whole new a whole new way of teaching and a whole new set of resources and many ways it can it can make education better. So I think that uh, I think that people are starting to put that focus towards it. I love it. And we, we speak a lot on this podcast around how do we not just get back to normal, whatever that means anymore from 2020 or 2020 or 2019 um, as we move into the fall. But how do we build a better uh, future, a better you know use of technology and a better time spent on site whenever, if and when that happens. Um, so what, I guess, advice would you have to, whether that's K-12 school districts, higher education uh, administrators, as far as what do you need to be thinking about and planning for now to think differently and, and maybe think out of the box and, and really think about how we can provide better uh, education all around starting uh, in this uh, fall 2020 season? And I think what Brian said is that a lot of schools moved very quickly, um, you know, last year in March and April to create online learning in a way that allowed them to transition fully out of the classroom. Um, and at that point, I think most people were rushed and they were seeking to fill a need very quickly. On um, preparation for, for this year, I think we have an opportunity to step back and look at what's been working and what hasn't been working and thoughtfully create resources that will help to drive student learning and eliminate confusion. Um, I know from, from even my own personal experience um, with, with my children that there's a lot of different sets of instructions, a lot of ways to sign in, a lot of different resources that are put in front of learners, and that it can be quite overwhelming. And so, you know, consolidation, simplification, and then the creation of tools that allow for that type of interaction deliberately that we know they're missing in the classroom and the use of the LMS to do that. Um, can really help to to accelerate the learning and 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 fill in some of the gaps that we know are missing from the face to face. And and back to some current research that just came out, sixty nine percent of educators still don't feel completely comfortable delivering uh, instruction online. Um, I know that's a big part of what you do. Uh, what advice would you have um, to? In school districts, higher ed institutions, on uh, how to continue to roll out this PD. Obviously, it's not a one and done training that can, you know, teach all of our educators best all the best practices of online teaching and online learning. Um, but what would you recommend as far as a, a, a consistent strategy moving uh, through this year into next year? That is a great question. I love that question because you get the nail on the head <laughs> in terms of. It's, it's not about the tools anymore. I think everyone wants to say, well, maybe we need a different learning management system, or maybe we need, you know, this tool instead. And, uh, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when the uh, learning management system space 
was in its infancy, that was true. There was certainly differences across products. Now we're at a spot where the products matured, you have feature parity across the products, you have more of a commoditized market, if you will. Um, and there is innovation happening, don't get me wrong, but there is, I think we'll see more of that. But I think right now it comes down to two things, the service that you're getting from your provider, and then the, the PD, the training that you mentioned. So I think that you need to make sure you're getting exceptional service. A lot of, I think a lot of folks find themselves with a vendor that is very rigid and they say you get 10 hours a, a year of support or you only can ask questions on this. Um, our model, because we're dealing with open source, has been unlimited support. Uh, we have you know really no line if somebody wants to ask us a question about a product that integrates or whether or not they should go forward with a virtual classroom using Zoom versus a different product, we'll have that conversation as a standard part of support and we encourage it because we want the 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 uh, the, the client to feel that we're an extension of their of their instructional design team or their instructional technology team. So I think service is one of the things that you really need to look at the type of service you're getting and then but obviously the the type of training is probably the most important thing since you are seeing so much feature parity now in the learning management system space. What you're not seeing though is a consistent approach to training. So I recommend a couple of things. One is having some type of a cert certification program. Um, now we have stuff internally, we have self-paced courses uh, that we've developed over the years. There's other options that you can use, but you need some way of having a, a teacher go through and say, yes, I've been certified. Very few uh, K through 20 clients of ours are doing that right now. Some have. Some have done it successfully, but rarely do you have enough top-down buy-in where they say, we need something at the end to say you are qualified to teach. Um, I think you need a clear pedagogy established as to what online teaching looks like. So you're training towards a very specific way of teaching. And Cheryl mentioned that inconsistency being a problem uh, that she's seeing with her own children already. And I think we all noticed that. So I think you need to you know, basically combine that training with some very specific uh, set of rules of what you require in an online course. We like to call it the Moodle minimum for our clients that a course at this university needs a minimum of X, Y, and Z, and that minimum might expand year over year. So I think you need training. You obviously need training. I think you need um, to get the buy-in from the top down that that training needs to be mandated in some way, and that needs to be built around a specific set of, of, uh, of criteria for what online teaching looks like in your respective institution. I love that uh, approach. That's really uh, great sound advice. Um, and maybe to dive just a little bit deeper into the pedagogy and the, the training component, what would you recommend as far as uh, is there a right mix or a, an average to on-demand coursework uh, versus live sessions and kind of how to get the best of both worlds, particularly for PD, for teachers. Um, obviously, we can't do everything live, but we also can't do everything on demand. And then also for uh, teachers, uh, advising them on how to, to work in that best mix with students. Let me, let me jump back in on that one just because it was kind of an extension of what, of what I just asked. And maybe Cheryl has some other thoughts on this. Um, I think it's going to be different. For every client, obviously, that's the, the canned answer I think anybody would give. <laughs> but but uh, I do think you need a mix. I think you need some self-paced, but I do think you need to have a mix. I, I think that is almost always the most successful. Um, I think I'll add a third component to that, which Cheryl and I both sort of stumbled upon this with one of our early clients 
uh, one of our first clients, it was actually St. Martin's University uh, out in uh, Lacey, Washington State. And they did something that we love that we've, we've suggested through the years, which was a teacher-led uh, sessions. You know, and those would be sometimes luncheon sessions where a teacher who's doing really well would be would be brought in as sort of a champion for their department, and they would give uh, courses that would be recorded or sessions. You know, in this environment that would be recorded. Uh, hypothetically, uh, it would be a live session, but somebody could watch it asynchronously later to go through what was working really well in their class. Things they might have innovated on the LMS is very flexible. People can find very interesting strategies that no one's ever thought of before uh, for their specific topic. So they would come in and it would be teacher led. We found that approach to be very uh, helpful in the sense that it wasn't top down. If it was a peer and a peer was saying, wow, this really changed the way that I taught, you would get much more social collaboration between the faculty at a given school. So I found that uh, obviously self-paced courses that we provide you know, here at uh, at OpenLMS now are are important, and obviously the you know the sessions that we lead uh, that we do custom building of sessions for our for our different clients at OpenLMS are are key. But I feel that you, you got to take it and really have the the group that you're working with own it. And I found that third option really really got us there. I don't know if you have any other uh, thoughts on that, Cheryl, but that's you know I think uh, an interesting interesting question, certainly an important one. Yeah, no, I think the one point that that you asked about is sort of the mix of on-demand versus um, sort of self-paced. And, and I think that that can be quite tricky. Um, and I think it depends on the age group that you're working with. Um, but if you look at, at the, the college level, um, I think that the on-demand needs to mimic about what they would have absorbed in the classroom. Um, and then, you know, the self-paced and that sort of thing is following up in a, in a similar capacity. Um, you know, the subject matter, the material, the teacher, all of that will vary. Um, but I think holding the students accountable in, in some type of on-demand session with some regularity is a key part of maintaining uh, the engagement and the retention that you would have if it was face-to-face. -face. Absolutely. And, and Brian, I love your idea. I've even heard of one district that uh, included their students and had some of their students work on some presentations for their teachers. Um, and they said, you would not believe the number of teachers that were glued to the screen, uh, or in some cases in person, to listen to what students were uh, talking about and how they wanted to learn and including them in the conversation. Uh, they said in you know decades of PD, they'd never had higher attention uh, from everyone to hear what students wanted to do. So um, another uh, idea for everyone out there listening is, is don't forget about your students. They're uh, really bright and uh, have some really great ideas. Um, we'll transition the, the conversation a little bit um, at this point. As you mentioned, Open LMS, um, there's some more news uh, that's recent. Tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, Learning Technologies Group and um, the recent acquisition. Sure, I'd be happy to. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty exciting news, to say the least. Um, the, you know, I'll give a little bit of background. Cheryl and I, uh, we founded eThink 13 years ago. It was uh, January 1st, 2008. And... Uh, during that time, we went from a two-person business to about 40 people. And uh, when we hit the 40-person mark, we were the largest Moodle partner in the world. Uh, we were um, certainly the largest player in North America. Um, we had grown quite substantially, all organically, you know, never, never, you know, raising outside capital, 
Um, we felt that that created the culture that we wanted. Along the way, we found uh, just incredible, talented Moodle experts that uh, fit the culture that we were trying to create, that were client first mentality people. Uh, we were just very much blessed to kind of stumble across uh, all the all the best people that we we, we found along the way. And uh, and while we certainly loved that trajectory, and we were very very proud of our client support record, which was uh, exceptional, and I think very much different than anything we'd seen in the industry. We built it with a, a goal of having our first response on all tickets at under an hour, and we kept under an hour for, for all 13 years. Uh, I think our average was about 41 minutes uh, the last last time we did a data check on that. And uh, we, you know, we, we did an unlimited support model. As I said before, we really didn't have lines. We wanted to feel very you know connected to the mission of our clients. So extraordinarily proud of the work we did. However, um, after all those years, we were, you know, the largest partner in the world, and we were only 40 people. Um, we needed, if we really wanted to innovate around the Moodle platform, we needed to get bigger, we needed to scale. And uh, with that, there were some other groups in the world that were looking to do the same thing. So what ended up happening was the largest Moodle provider in Australia, ourselves, and uh, and also OpenLMS, that was formerly Moodle Rooms, got pulled out. Uh, it had been acquired by Blackboard, but it had gotten essentially carved out and put off on its own and sold to learning technology groups, which was fantastic for us because it combined the three largest uh, Moodle providers in the world into now, I think we're probably about 12 times larger than the next Moodle service provider in the world. We're about 100 and a little over 150 people now in the entire group. And we've just put out about 25 more recs for uh, for hires, and we plan to grow quite substantially past that. So we're now not just the largest group, but we're growing quite rapidly. And if we want to compete with the likes of the cornerstones in the corporate space or the uh, blackboards and desire to learns or canvas and structure in the higher ed space and, and some of that into the K-12 space, we needed to get bigger, we needed to scale, and we needed to start doing very interesting things around the platform. And this acquisition gives us the ability to do exactly that. That, I love to hear that because I've always been a Moodle fan. Um, so I guess give us a little insight into what what's the the one big thing that you've now got this super group and super power that you weren't able to do before that you're going to be pursuing here in 2021. I think there are a couple of things that, that are on our immediate mind. Um, and I think they come at a couple of different levels. Um, I think the opportunity to offer uh, new services that our clients may want to take advantage of uh, that we weren't able to do as you think singularly. Um, so services like content creation, um, which obviously loops back to what we were talking about earlier, where, you know, courses and, and, and instructors were forced to go online very quickly. Um, at this point, there may be opportunity to take a step back and, and a desire to have a, you know, very professional, very uh, pedagogically sound course created. Um, and there are services that we can provide around that that we haven't been able to facilitate before. Um, so that's one area that we're very excited about. Um, we're also excited about the tie-in of some, some external products that add value. Um, and, and sort of leveraging the power of the larger LTG business, um, which, as you know, is is kind of an umbrella for a number of different companies um, and offering some really nice services around those. Um, but I think more directly, you know, 
as an existing client, the thing that I would be most excited about is, is our ability to use the many Moodle minds that are now all working for, for one singular purpose, which is the betterment of the product and client service to, to build and maintain, you know, a high quality service offering. Um, it's, it will take some time to leverage all of that, you know, in, in, you know, in the proper direction. But I think the ability and the, the economies of scale that we can get by all working together instead of independently um, is going to make a huge difference in terms of, of, of the client experience. I love that. And Brian, anything to add on, on from your point? Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, Cheryl's answer is pretty excellent. It's hard to, hard to add on much. To that. <laughs> um, but uh, I would say that, you know, I would only point out that what Cheryl was saying about the LTG product suite, LTG Learning Technologies Group has gone out and their strategy has been fascinating, which has been go out, find the leading experts in the ed tech space, acquire those companies, and then make them better by helping to centralize some of the things that are difficult when you're a small company like we were, which is central uh, bid, HR, finance, um, you know, all those all those things, pesky things that uh, get in your way of of day-to-day -day focus on the client. So uh, that's that's big, and that's you know certainly where we're headed right now. But the companies they have under their umbrella are the leading experts. You know, they have Watershed, leading expert, uh, you know, leading group of leading experts in the uh, learning record store or XAPI space. Uh, they have Rustici also involved in the XAPI learning analytics space as well as. Um, you know, SCORM and the SCORM uh, player, they're, they're the, you know, the, the, the leader there. They have a content business uh, called Leo that is you know, one of the leaders in the world, if not the leader uh, in terms of custom content building. You name the technology and they can build custom content in that, you know, AR, VR, you know, all the new things they're, they're cutting edge on those things right now. And that's a very, very powerful thing for us. Uh, Gomo Learning is their authoring tool. Uh, in terms of uh, you know e-learning content authoring, and the list goes on. They've got video solutions. They've got uh, a number of other things, and and the way that they're going, and they've had several acquisitions in the last couple of months. I have a feeling we're going to see even more added in the umbrella that we're already integrating in too right now. So, you know that scale and that product suite, it's going to certainly uh, be a big deal to our clients. We're already finding we can get better relationships with vendors. Uh, that we want to integrate in with. Uh, if we, you know, pick up the phone now, we talk to, you know, whether it be Microsoft or whoever it is, we have an immediate, uh, an immediate response given our size and our scale at this stage. That's amazing. And as we kind of wrap up the conversation here, we always like to end on a high note. Uh, and this has been, you know, a great high note to, of a conversation overall. But what would be um, an, an example that kind of epitomizes success, whether that's a district or a higher ed university or even a corporate example of uh, kind of where uh, somebody was before working with you and what you were able to really help them do to transform um, the way that they, you know, conducted their learning? I mean, I think as we've said, it's it's unique to each each group, and it really depends on where they are in the process and and what their need set is. Um, but I think overall, our goal is to, you know, improve the quality of the materials that they're providing, um, and that's not necessarily through us doing it, but through education to them about the tools that are available and the ways in which they can be used 
so that they can innovate, you know, amongst them and their instructors to create the right solution. Um, and then also to improve, um, you know, satisfaction and, and, and overall sort of um, happiness with the tool. Um, I think there are a lot of LMSs out there. There are a lot of different tools to do a lot of different things. Um, but, you know, the end user experience in terms of getting what they need, you know, easily and not not having a lot of, of obstacles to learning is probably our biggest challenge and the most important thing that we can do together to try and make that a smooth experience, you know, regardless of, of you know, what particular plugins they're using or how the authentication is set up. Um, usability and, and, and support are probably the most important challenges. I absolutely agree with that. Uh, working in K-12 for a number of decades myself, if it's not easy to use, uh, teachers especially will revert back to what they were doing before. And so uh, it's really great to hear that that is uh, one of your top priorities uh, and focuses because that is the key to success in all of this. Um, this has been a, a great conversation, and I've got more questions for next time. So uh, hopefully we can get both of you back on uh, for an episode later on this year as things continue to evolve and uh, and uh, change and get better and get closer to the fall. Um, thank you so much, uh, Brian and Cheryl, for joining today's episode. Thank, thank you so you. much for having us. And to my audience, thank you so much again for joining us every week, twice a week. Uh, be sure to check out past episodes and look forward to uh, future episodes coming out later this week. Uh, we really appreciate all of your comments and feedback and sharing of these episodes. And uh, we look forward to continuing to interact with you further. Always, always, always remember to keep on learning. We'll see you next time. <laughs>